There we go. I have a story to tell you all. It is a kind of companion story to the one that we heard recently of Prometheus and the theft of fire. If you didn't get to see the story of Prometheus and Epimetheus, those are, those are available on our YouTube, YouTube channel in several parts, so you can catch up. But the very, very short version is Prometheus and Epimetheus stole fire from the heavens to give to humanity. The gods were not pleased and they punished Prometheus very heavily, but it was done. The fire had been given and humans now had it. So Zeus was not satisfied with just that one punishment that he gave to Prometheus. He wanted to exact a cost for fire. So he said to Hephaestus, I have a plan. And Hephaestus carried it out. So did all of the gods. It began with Hephaestus by his sculpting out of the clay, the mud of the earth, a new kind of person, a form that had never quite been on earth before, a woman. And he brought her to life and all the gods gave her gifts. One gave her beauty and another charm. And one gave her, I'm sorry to say, a devious heart and, a, and an ability to lie very well. And um, they gave her also just lovely clothes and garlands in her hair of flowers and gold jewelry around her neck. She was taught all the skills of, of the household and the crafts such as weaving. And so they called her Pandora, which means all of the gifts. And they gave her one other gift before sending her down to earth. They gave her a jar and told her never to open it. So off she was sent to Prometheus who said, beware of Greek gods bearing gifts. No, thank you. But Epimetheus said, I like Pandora. And he and Pandora got on very well and decided against Prometheus' Prometheus's advice to marry. And they had a child, a daughter named Pyrrha, who would go on to be the, the parent of all humanity when she and her companion um, made human beings out of stones. But that's another story. Pandora's story goes on like this. She was living with Epimetheus and getting more and more curious about what was in that jar she had. You may have heard of it as, as a box. In our culture, it's become translated as a box, but in the Greek, it was a, a ceramic jar like you might put wine in. And one day she just couldn't stand it anymore. Why would they give her this jar and say, don't open it? I mean, what, what was that all about? They'd given her all these other gifts, right? I, surely what was in the jar was more gifts. So she opened it just a little and looked inside and out came crawling and snarling this horrible thing. And it had bat-like wings and it flew off. She was very startled and then more and more started coming out all very creepy looking that that first one was moaning and snarling and then there were others that were quiet and slithery but they all looked evil and they went out into the world what pandora was to learn eventually was that they were all the evils that human beings had never known before that first snarling one that was war and then there was pandemic and there was corruption 
and greed and environmental devastation and hatred and violence and jealousy and all of the ills that had been unknown to humanity before. Well, when she recovered herself and, and managed to get the lid back on on all these creatures, there was just one little thing left at the bottom of the jar. It wasn't snarling at all. It was a quiet little thing. It was very sweet and it looked up at her and she said, "Bring you in here. And it was hope. The one thing that the gods had put in for humanity to survive all of the ills that would be loosed upon them. Pandora followed her destiny and gave into curiosity. Now we listen to the choir sing to us, he said us. That is a strange story, is it not? 
there's a lot to be unpacked about that strange little story. So we'll spend some time with it today. But I wanna begin with just an acknowledgement of how badly we need hope right now and how tired we can get of injustice, of struggles that now have to go upstream just to get back where we were once, be once before, before we can even move on to making the world better than it was before. That we worry about illness and fire and all of these things that in the telling of this myth all came upon us out of this one box, out of this one jar. We need hope. We need the thing that was left there at the bottom. And I'd like to spend a little time figuring out what this myth might tell us about that. Well, first of all, clearly it's a cautionary tale and it has two messages that are very, very, um, that are impossible to endorse. One, curiosity is bad. I mean, Folk tales are full of the story of the door one must not open, right? Or of, 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 the, of the book that must remain closed. But usually at least those things are there for something else. Oh, this is my private room, don't go in there. And then if that person violates that, that promise, then interesting and something sometimes troublesome things happen. In this case, why was she even given the jar? It's not like it's a gift to somebody else that they're supposed to open and she opens it. No, it's just supposed to sit there. It, it's a pure temptation. It's just to test her curiosity and punish us all for it, please. And then of course, there's the moral that women are the root of all evil. The very first woman, bad idea. Now it's very interesting about that because this myth was written by just one person as far as we know. It was told by Hesiod and there's no known uh, origin for it except for his own um, telling. He thought that that story needed to be inserted into the stories of his Greek people. Interesting. Okay, but setting aside that misogynistic and anti-curiosity message, why was hope in the box? Um, if it was meant to be all uh, ills and evils that could befall humanity, war and cancer and viruses and fire and all the things that we worry about what was hope doing in there in the first place? Is that supposed to be telling us that hope is bad? And also there's this weird mixed metaphor of whether it's good to have something in the jar or it's good to have it out of the jar. Okay, so these things have all escaped from the jar and until then they didn't afflict humanity. You, want, you don't want things to be out of the jar out among humanity. So, wouldn't the thing to do with hope then to be to let it out? Oh, please go fly among the war and the cancer because we need you. Very, very strange. But another interesting thing about it is that the ills don't flex their power until they're out of the jar. So, Maybe hope is now able to operate in the world now that it has looked up at Pandora and she has looked down at hope. Maybe it did sneak out and that's just a piece of the story that isn't quite clear. It's all very strange. But one thing comes through. 
that wherever these ills came from, and of course, part of what the story is doing is trying to explain, as people always try to explain, why are there bad things? Why is life so difficult? Why do we have such challenges, internal challenges, the challenges of other people, the, the problems that nature brings us? Why do we have all those things? Well, there's this rather glib answer, oh, it's all women's fault. But then there's a solution. Hold on to hope, hold it close. We need it. That's what will help us get through. It doesn't bring them back. It doesn't rein them in, all those ills, but it helps us deal with them. I'd like to do a sort of feminist reinterpretation of Pandora. I mean, we don't have to take Hesiod's word for it. We can take this myth where we want. Maybe she is called that, not because she was given gifts by the gods, but because she was given as a gift rather than as a punishment, that she brought with her to earth, to humanity, beauty and the skills of all the crafts, the ability to speak beautifully and to sing, all the, the gifts of our world, like flowers that can be made into garlands and or that can be made into beautiful things like gold necklaces. In that case, what are we hearing about the jar? Are humans responsible for that too, for all those ills? I'll hold on just a moment till the picture's back. Thank you. Uh, we're responsible, it seems, for being the caretakers of hope. Now, misogyny, uh, the misogyny of Hesiod is spelled out. In case you didn't get it from the story, he tacks on a moral. He says, women are, are deceitful and they're not helpmate, helpmates to men except in good times. They're not helpmates in poverty when we need them. I think maybe he had a bad experience and decided to take it out on half the human race. But in any case, as I said, he's the only source of this myth, but it's interesting that he didn't get that name out of nowhere. There was a goddess called Pandora. She's been kind of forgotten because this myth caught on so strongly because it matched other myths like the one we have of Eve, for example, although there are some differences. No, he took this name from an earth goddess in the early Greek pantheon named Pandora. And if she's an earth goddess and her name is all gifts, isn't her original meaning, that real Pandora, the original Pandora, the source of all gifts, the source of everything? She is the earth. She is like the earth. And so she gives us the good things, the things that we eat and the things of beauty and, and all the, all the um, trees that give us shelter, everything that we need. And she's also the source of problems, the diseases that are, that are on the loose and the things in our own nature like greed and corruption and violence that cause us to hurt one another. All of those things come from the earth to us and it's mighty. And Hesiod took this mighty goddess and he trimmed her down. He said, well, she's not earth, she's just made of earth. She's just made out of clay by one of the gods, one of the male gods. And as an act of anger and revenge, a kind of joke punishment, 
He made her a spite gift instead of the source of all. But maybe when we think of where we need to look for hope, we can look back to that other Pandora. The earth, all that is, that gives us all that we need. Challenges, yes, because there are, there are things like viruses on the loose that cause problems for us, but also embedded in our very being, in the source of our being, is hope. Hope is a strange thing. It's hard to know where it comes from, why we have hope when we do, and why we don't when we don't. Thinking about where my own hope comes from, I resonate with the Pandora story because for me, I gain hope from looking at the worst times. Just as Pandora opened up that jar, opened up the box in the later translation, and once all the evils had been seen, she could find hope. It seems to me that looking at the worst we have been through here on this planet as this species, that's where we can gain hope. When I look around at the situation that's, that we have right now, the political turmoil, the worry about what kind of political landscape we will have for many, many years to come, regardless of what happens in this election next week. When I think about disease and our own strange disease of how we deal with it or fail to deal with it, and all the other ways we hurt one another, I think people have been through things just as bad as this before, worse even. And what have they done? They have found hope, they have rallied around, they have changed things, they did turn themselves around. And that's where I get my hope. Like Pandora, I find it among the worst that afflicts humanity. Hope's a thankless friend. It's someone who shows up only when things are really bad, it seems, but you know, that's when we need it. But anyway, that's just me. I, Hope is also a matter of temperament, I think. Are you naturally inclined to look for positives or to focus on negatives? I've noticed many times that two people can view the same situation very differently depending on that lens of their temperament, whether they find hope in it or only despair. And then there's the matter of input. What are we looking at? Are we looking mostly at bad news or do we also seek out stories of what is going well? where people are responding with energy and creativity. In other words, what does experience tell us? Hope is a strange and inexplicable thing. You may, you may know the poem that Emily Dickinson shared about it. Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. I want to come back to that, but I'll read you the rest of the poem. And sweetest in the gale is heard, and sore must be the storm that could abash the little bird that kept so many warm. I've heard it in the chillest land, and on the strangest sea, 
Yet never in extremity it asked a crumb of me. Hope sings the tune without the words, really seems to say it all. Why are we hopeful when we're hopeful? You can't argue somebody, even yourself, into feeling hope, it seems. It's irrational. It's not always based in facts. And people could argue back with you all the reasons there are for giving up hope as we look around. And yet, hope, like, well, Langston Hughes referred to it as dreams, it's something with which we can't go on at all. Without it, in Hughes' words, life is a broken-winged bird that cannot fly. We just, we just need it, and luckily, sometimes we seem to find it. It's not rational. We don't even know what it is. We don't learn about it from reason, but from experience. And so I wanted to open this time up. I've shared a little bit about what gives me hope, and I wanted to know if we could learn from each other about what gives us hope? We don't have to say why, but just as you look around, when you have a hopeful moment, why is that? If you're on Zoom, you should have a little participants box. And if you click on participants, one of the options you get um, is a little blue raise hand. And if you raise your hand, I will unmute you so you can share with us um, just by voice what um, something that gives you hope. Um, or has given you hope in the past. Um, and then I'd rather not have to mute you. Perhaps you can mute yourself when you have shared. Um, I'm looking for little blue hands. So again, for me, it's, it's history. It's looking at what have people done and how have they endured in the past? And I am going to click here on, um, oh, I've lost you. Melissa Stannis, did I manage to unmute you? I didn't say I was quite capable of this technology now, did I? Where is Melissa? Uh, there we go. You should be able to unmute now, Melissa. Good morning. Uh, my family is a great source of hope. Your family, thank you. Uh, Pamela, sure. Uh, <clears throat> for me, in times when it's been really bad, I had to wake up and find one good thing for the day. Like if I could find one thing, then I could push the other bits away and just make progress on that one thing and not focus on it. Yeah, maybe that's the, there's some, there's some nugget of that in the myth too, right? Like you just need one, just one thing one against all the bills. Thank you. Uh, Dick Duda. I find it very hopeful, actually, that just yesterday, 50 nations ratified this UN treaty on the prohibition of nuclear war. Uh, and when it comes into force in January, it'll make the possession of nuclear weapons, the possession, uh, a violation of international law. That's a tremendous thing that happened. Thank you. And thank you. I, I take hope from stories like that and from people like you who helped bring it about through your activism. Um, just people working in many, many countries uh, against just what seems so huge and difficult and yet 
Right, we can take hope from what they have accomplished. I see um, Glenda and Dick. I don't know which of you is raising your hand. Um, I, I see hope because young people seem to be just more and more involved and aware of the importance of voting and participating in our society and in all the civil issues that we have. So, that is so I'm hoping that I put my hope in the youth. Yeah, thank you. Good to know that maybe um, maybe people are learning and, and the new generation will do a better job than anyone before them. Um, Weija. Oops, sorry, hit that twice. Hi, uh, for me, music, uh, whether it's secular or religious, is a big source of hope. Music. You're seeing some, I'm seeing some nods in this room. Uh, yeah, I think that, I mean, Emily Dickinson got it so bright, didn't she? Sings the, sings the song without the words. Who knows why? It's like music without words. It just does something to us. Um, that's, a, that's such a lovely metaphor for the way hope comes upon us. Jane. You have to unmute yourself. I can only ask. Sorry, I'm gonna echo what Amy said about history, the sense that it feels like the worst of times for us and possibly is the worst time that most of us have experienced, but it is by no means the worst time the world has experienced or even that people in this world now are experiencing. And my sense that in spite of a bad time and steps backwards, I really believe that progress continues to a better world. So that's what gives me hope. Thank you. I, I'm getting hope from hearing all people's, um, all of these. So I hope some of these uh, resonate with you. If, if these are, are things can, that can give you hope, it can um, build for all of us. Uh, Bear. There we go. Yeah. Um, what gives me hope is I think the reason I've loved working with young people my whole life, and in some ways, the younger, the better, they are constantly reminding me that <clears throat> at the base of hope is the, 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 the thrill of learning. As long as we are learning, we have hope. It's only when we get set in our thinking that um, hope begins to dwindle. So young folks, give me hope every day. Thank you. I hadn't made that connection between hope and learning, and that really, that really clicks for me. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, Kevin Ma, I'm seeing. Yeah, for me, hope is kind of the only thing for right. Otherwise, the alternative is either apathy or despair, and that's not something I wanted to live my life for. So, gotta move forward despite the times. Because there's no choice. Thank you. Uh, Jerry, Moran. Good morning, Amy. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, we can all hear you. Oh, hi. Uh, yeah, I um, every day uh, when I wake up and I can hear nature outside, I live along a creek, um, it gives me hope that all of nature is, is pushing forward in spite of all the problems we humans are creating. There's a lot of hope for me every day. Uh, in nature, in wildlife and nature. 
Thank you. So that's what I wanted to say. It does have that incredible resilience, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and adaptation, you know? Yeah. yeah, a good message for us. Thank you. I see Barbara Schoenborn. Barbara, what's giving you hope? I uh, gain hope from seeing children uh, just being themselves, whether they're walking along the street uh, in front of my house or even on television in commercials. Some of the commercials are so silly or clever and uh, just seeing the little kids and how buoyant they can be and how curious uh, gives me hope. Thank you. Greg, what gives you hope? Uh, whoops, um, are you there? Yep. I just got I, no I signal. Hear you. We've just okay. decided to take a vacation once in a while. Yep, that's good. Um, for me, the definition of hope is that the future has yet to be written. And so what gives me hope, well, that gives me hope just in and of itself, but also um, change gives me hope because without change, things would be always as they are and can't get any better. So that's a little cerebral, but um, yeah. I think it's good to remember uh, hope comes from uh, the knowledge that um, the future is not yet written. Great. Things are still to be done. Thank you. Um, there's more in the chat as well. I think um, I think uh, Zoom puts all the hands up at the top for me that I haven't missed anybody. Um, but um, we have some other thing, people chiming in in the chat, and I want to share that uh, Elsa Schaefer says she can't unmute and speak where she is right now, but she's so hopeful by how engaged so many people are in this day and age of angst in our country, um, that people are care and are willing to do something about it. So they aren't giving up hope. Isn't that, seeing other people being hopeful can help. It really can help. Thank you all so much for sharing this. I am thinking that maybe, maybe the mistake isn't the one that we're supposed to, isn't the one that we are told is the mistake in the story. I mean, the mistake is always supposed to be Pandora, being curious, disobedient, Really, maybe the mistake in the story was that hope was ever locked inside this jar in the first place. And she did what needed to be done because the ills of life are bound to come upon us all. And now she's given us access to hope. That's what we need. So thank you everybody for helping us find hope in a difficult time, just as our song says. When hope is hard to find, we can bring each other hope. May it be so.